Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness. Great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel, and I am so excited to welcome Carrie Arnold, principal of the Willow Group and author to the Greatness Podcast. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. So Carrie and I, I have a friend that has a saying that you you always sit next to who you're meant to sit next to. And that's how I met Carrie years ago. We were seated next to one another at a fundraising event for the Museum of Nature and Science in Denver, Colorado, and found out that we were both doing our PhDs and um, just many, many points of intersection. Gosh, that would have been probably six or seven years ago. Oh, yeah, at least. And before we dive into the topic at hand today, your new book and the things that you study, I love hearing people's stories about how they became passionate. Because when I sat next to you and you started talking about your research in women's voices being suppressed, I thought, wow, I've, I've, I'm, I'm in my 50s. I've never really thought about this. How did you become passionate about this topic? Oh, it's such a good question. And I think the short answer is by watching suppression. I became Mm -hmm. interested in it for 20 plus years. You know, I had a corporate role and I watched so many women leaders in private conversations have such an effective voice, so much currency, so much declarative statement driven purpose, vision, you name it. And yet I saw that slightly muted, Mm. you know, some degree of mute when they were in more of that public platform space. And I just got really curious about that. And so I first wanted to study voice and the type of language that gets heard. And then it became clear to me that that was maybe jumping ahead too far. I first needed to study the phenomenon of feeling silenced and the factors of silencing. And that became my interest that drove most of my dissertation and doctoral work. Hmm. And it's so fascinating because I ended up being one of your research participants. I assume I can talk about that. (laughs) Everything's so sensitive with um, internal review boards and everything. But what was interesting in our interview you asked me questions about times that I had felt like my voice was silenced or that I wasn't being fully heard. And being in male-dominated fields most of the last 40 years, um, I hadn't really even at times realized it was happening right. um, to me. Do you find that common that when you start talking to people about this, that they may not even realize what what's happening? Absolutely. And, and that's what's been really lovely about the book. So someone gave me some really great advice one time, and I have just cherished this advice, which is, Carrie, it's your business to write the book. It's not your business what happens with the book after it's published. And so that really freed me to just focus on, I hope that whoever picks up the book has a moment of awareness or it changes the conversation. Because I think women sometimes get confused that 
is this a confidence issue? Am I just not a good fit? Um, maybe I'm speaking in ways that people don't appreciate. And so we just kind of, we get circular in our thinking about what's going on here. But when the book gets picked up or they hear me speak on the topic, I see so many light bulbs going on. And just that alone is really rewarding to me because they become aware of something now. And with that awareness is choice. And Mm. that to me is the most important thing is that feeling like you have a voice means you've got choice. When we feel silenced, it feels like our agency is taken away. Mm. So you mentioned the book, Silenced and Sidelined, How Women Leaders Find Their Voices and Break Barriers. So before we talk about um, finding our voice, what is it that is inhibiting our voice? Like, how does, what's making that manifestation happen in the world that, that our voices are getting suppressed? Our voices are suppressed through three different ways. Um, the first would be a relationship is silencing us, or we are feeling or experiencing the phenomenon of feeling silenced by another human. And that could be a person in power. It could be a spouse. It could be a direct report. It could be a peer. It's not always a a hierarchical structure, nor is it always men silencing women. Women are silencing women in equal, if not more egregious ways. So there's relationships. The second way we lose our voice or feel muted and suppressed and muffled is through systems that silence. Sometimes we can take away all the people and replace them with brand new um, bodies, but there's a system in place that's designed to continue to honor certain things, suppress certain things. And so sometimes when you can't quite figure out what's going on here, it could just be a system that is capable of silencing. And and that requires a little bit more analysis and investigation. And then the third way is we just do it to ourselves. We Mm -hmm. self-silence. In the absence of someone else doing it, we often do it to our own voices. And that can also create all sorts of health issues. And some would argue, well, everything is self-silencing. Everybody has a choice. Yes, and... We also have to look at the socially constructed conditions in which we as humans are trying to operate and live within. My research was with women, but I'm hearing many men come forward saying it's not different for me. I mean, my how I was silenced was different, and that's true of everybody, but they're experiencing a similar phenomenon as well. And that's even less discussed than than women's voices feeling silenced. So let, let's talk about each of these three, because I think this is really interesting to understand it, to then flip over to, okay, how do you find your voice? So what are the stories you hear about people being in relationship and their voices being silenced? What are some examples of that? Yeah, that. thank you for that specific question. Um, some examples of that could be... Um, working with a peer who has been in the role longer has far more connections and maybe there's some challenges there with that relationship and there's just like this series of micro aggressive interactions mm-hmm. eye rolls being dismissed being talked over so it could just be one individual but it's it's ongoing and it's to the point where you can't figure out where it started 
if it ever ended, you just know that this person, when you think of who a silencer might be in your life, that person's name and face pops into your head. And you're like, yep, it's that person. And again, it could be a man or it could be a woman. And, and the power structure is variable. Um, so it's always different. Every single story I've heard, and I've interviewed so many people for, because I did postdoc research as well, which led to the book, no story was ever alike. The phenomenon is what manifested as being similar. Mm. Well, and it's so interesting because I go back and, and because I think it's interesting not just to think about your voice being silenced, but how I as a leader can silence voices. Um, you know, I teach at the Australian National University. Many of my students are from different countries, different cultures. Voice manifests itself in different ways. But I also think about being president of a company years ago. This was, gosh, 17 years ago, going through another profile and them saying, well, you have the power of the title. Your, your voice is always going to count the most. So you need to be careful about how you wield your voice. Right. Um, so it's just, it's interesting you use that word power and thinking about relationships. And, and then the system side of things. So it's funny, I had a client, they hired me to work with a team. And after a couple of months, I said, okay, you have some bigger systemic issues <laughs> that if you don't fix them, it's not going to help this team. So you need to stop paying me to work with this team, which they were very appreciative of. And they started working on the systemic things. But it's interesting to think about how systems silence people's voices. Do you have a, an example yeah. of that? I think the most basic example is the org chart. You know, what does that org chart mean in an organization? What do those boxes and lines and dotted lines represent? And, you know, if a box has been deemed historically to be more strategic than a box that's more operational or support oriented, the, org the organizational structure alone can make those who are deemed in less um, strategic boxes feel silenced because the structure is set up in such a way and it's historically been, you know, just codified that way. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. a basic example. The other thing is we talk about open door policies and you can go to anybody you want, but there's not a conversation around what happens after you leave that open door and what are the ramifications with your peers, your direct reports, horizontally, vertically. And, and so just even some policies can feel restrictive at times because they stop short of really declaring what it means to be psychologically safe in an organizational system. Mm, fabulous. And then this, this whole self-silencing, all the things we do to ourselves, yeah. you know, all the stories we tell ourselves or all the... <laughs> you know, conversations we're having in our head. Talk to us about some examples of that. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. And, and you were a perfect example of this. All of every single one of my participants in this research was a woman leader, mm -hmm. typically between the ages of 45 and 65. So these were women who were in power roles, huge legacy of success, running hospitals, running organizations, executive suite roles. And to hear them discuss and talk about how 
even as a CEO, they felt silenced, how they felt restricted in what they could or could not say. It's such a paradox. But I think the, the theme I heard often was a feeling like they were choiceless and telling ourselves we're choiceless. And I think also the thing that kept surfacing was questioning our own abilities. Do I belong? Do I deserve this seat? Um, maybe I'm not as good as dot, dot, dot. And so there's that perseveration, there's that rumination, there's that saboteur voice. And being a woman in leadership is already so lonely. The percentage of women compared to men who are in those executive roles worldwide suggest we hold such a small percentage. And then to have one of those seats and feel marginalized and silenced, that's not something we would necessarily want to share out loud. Therefore, we begin, we continue to feel even more relentlessly um, isolated. And so that self-silencing becomes so contained in our physical shelves that it creates physical manifestations and illness in the body. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I just recorded a podcast a, a few weeks ago with a woman, Allison Shamir, who's a specialist in imposter syndrome, because... And, and she was helpful in me understanding the difference between that and just self-doubt and choices. What, what, that, that's a great, that's actually a great question, Carrie. What does it mean to be choiceless? <laughs> I just kind of felt my whole body clench at the mere thought of being choiceless. I mean, as humans, that's our agency is, is everything, you know, our ability to make choice, our ability to choose to speak to not, mm -hmm. to choose our speech act, to choose what we do physically in um, communication. Um, I would, I, I think it is just so um, paralyzing to mm. feel like those choices have been taken away. And part of it is believing that, those choices are not taken away. But part of it is also not dismissing the humans that are our silencers and the systems that are silencing us because sometimes we can't work our way out of those conditions. Sometimes mm -hmm. we can't do it on our own. And that really led me down the research to, so what does make a difference? What mm -hmm. can we do um, if we can't coach our way through some of these um, dynamics? Yeah. Well, you know, one last story I've, I've heard quite a bit recently is women saying, gosh, I bring up an idea in a meeting and then and nobody says anything. And then a guy brings the idea up, you know, 15 minutes later. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's such a good idea. And it, yeah. people don't understand the nuances of how that the feelings that that creates in someone when that's happening um, repeatedly. So let, let's flip over to the what we can do. Um because I, I, in the, in the outcome of your research, like what you learned and what compelled you to write a book? Cause I know writing a book is hard and you have to, as you say, I, I applaud you. I had that same kind of feeling that if I impacted one woman with my book, that it would be worth writing it. So, um, to, to kind of have that feeling about it, but, but what did you learn in your research and what, why write the book? What's it about? So what I learned as a couple different things. A, you brought it up early. We are all capable of being a silencer as we're also working through mm -hmm. our own awareness of how we have felt silenced. And so there's things we can start doing right away. And you just gave a perfect example, which is how are we amplifying the voices of women? 
And so when you're in that meeting Mm. and you just watched that woman's whole encounter where she brought up an idea and it didn't get reacted to, but then later, you know, could be in the same meeting or down the road, another human brings up the same idea, but she's no longer associated or getting credit for it. So amplification is so simple. It's just me saying your name and repeating the great idea. It would be Mm. me saying, Gretchen, you had that idea two weeks ago. That was a great idea. Gretchen. Mm. I want to honor what you just said. Like there's something really powerful about naming the person who just had voice around it. And I think that's what led to the book. I had all of these women sit with me and let me interview them for sometimes more than 90 minutes. And I transcribed all those interviews and I I analyzed all those interviews and I felt obligated to them to tell their story and to get this information Mm. into the book because that just is the only way to change the conversation is to make it available. No one's going to read a dissertation. I don't even know if my entire committee actually read. I don't even know if I read my dissertation. So that's not how we get work done in the world. We have to put it in a palatable format that any practitioner could Mm. open it up and start to read it and make sense of it. And so it was, you know, it wasn't an obligation that, Oh, I got to do this. It was, no, this was ethically. I felt obligated to, to create something that would help change the conversation. So clue number one, amplifying and saying yeah. someone's name. Yeah. I love that. Hey, Carrie, that was yeah. a great idea. Hey, Carrie, good job on this or whatever. What, you know, great job of speaking up in that meeting. I really appreciated it. What, what are some other things we can do to help? The with most this? important thing, and I think this is also the hardest thing, is that women have to be in community with other women who share her context. So, Gretchen, if mm. you're a CEO of an organization, you need to be in community with other women running organizations at your level. And that's hard. It's hard to do that. Our calendars are so stretched. We can't even find room for our coach, you know, to get some coaching. But being in community is essential. And we also, once we create that community with women, we also have to let men into that community because they are our allies and they are eager to amplify our voices. And so there's so much to be said about being in community. And in in America, especially, we are so isolated in our leadership role, especially during an even after the pandemic, where we're not actually physically together as much anymore. So being able to share your story, being a designated listener and a designated speaker. So many women are just the designated listeners in life and we need to be with others who will let us tell our story. And then being, I call it the kitchen table. Who are your kitchen table colleagues? You know, that you can sit down and talk together and that I think is so essential because that's when you're going to say my name and that's where I'm going to feel honored and valued and heard. And we're running so fast downhill. We're sprinting downhill as we run our companies and we see sweet away that we're not creating time for conversation. I have so many different directions I could go with everything you just said. I mean, uh, I, I 100% agree with the community. It's interesting. I had an epiphany about a year ago because I left the construction industry for five years, well, actually probably closer to seven, but I ran a women's foundation for five years. And so I have a community of female friends, 
contemporaries, et cetera, that many of my female counterparts in construction don't have because they didn't have that same experience of leaving and immersing themselves. So I'm a member of the International Women's Forum and other things that happened during that period. But then I come back into construction and I'm now chair of the board of a construction company. I don't have a community of women that are chairing boards of construction companies. I'm still, I'm still kind of looking for that. Or even in many instances, yes, serving on boards of construction companies. I think that's really starting to increase. But I would 100%. If I'm listening to this, how do I find that community? I'm a woman out there, and you know, I'm feeling like my voice is being silenced, or I just believe in what you have to say. How do you find that community? Well, it's not by accident. You don't just stumble on it. You know, you don't just show up and, oh, here's my tribe. Um, it's intentionality. You know, it really is around connecting, showing initiative, um, asking to be part of, but it's also keeping an eye out for others, you know, of how are you creating space for voice? Um, one simple thing of amplification could have a woman knocking on your door saying, Hey, let's connect. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's our being our way of being. And if I'm too busy and I'm running from meeting to meeting to meeting and barely available and I have a no face on, it's not going to happen. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's hard to make friends as an adult. It's hard to, to open up to people, you know, when you're hitting a certain stage of life, but we're not designed to go through life in isolation. We need to be in community. And so um, I don't have an easy answer for that. As you just described, mm-hmm. it's hard. If it was easy, mm-hmm. we'd all be doing it. Um, but I think finding that and being really intentional about it is part of the healing process. Yeah, well, in this kitchen table concept, so Cheryl Campbell calls it her personal board of advisors. I've called it Team Gretchen, you know, especially through my PhD, I was going to have t-shirts printed that had Team Gretchen on them. And one thing I point out to people is know who your raving fans are. Be intentional about who those raving fans are that you have in your life as well. That's right. And, um, and, and you know, cultivate those people. I've been... Um, I haven't even had a chance to share this with you. Carrie and I are still catching up, but I've been running a women's leadership program in the pipeline industry in Australia for three years. That's great. And we have 125 women who have um, come through the program. And what I didn't understand, because I've never done a program like this before, was the community building, the kitchen table, all of this happening in this program, skill building women so that we can help women, you know, they're getting promotions and things like that. But I was, I was trying to explain to a male leader in the industry at lunch last week. Uh, he challenged me, I'm not sure that gender-specific programs are necessary. And it was so hard for me to articulate to him the community building that happens. And I, I know I say it's an and, and 30 years ago, I probably wouldn't have said that I needed to go be with any, you know, community being that intentional about building community with women. When I was one of two female consultants at a firm with 170 investment bankers and strategy consultants. But um, yeah, I think that's really important. I agree with what you just said. You know, it's so interesting, Gretchen. And, you know, when you look at who's in the workplace, it really is almost 50-50. 
when you look at metal management, it really almost is, almost, depending on industry, 50-50, but it stops right there. And anything mm -hmm. past metal management or anything past supervision, it tends to really lean more towards masculine men versus feminine women. And um, until that continues to be 50-50 all the way to the top, we probably do need to have distinctive programs. But once those stats level out, maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe we won't need them. But until certain industries match, um, that community aspect is going to be really essential. But I love it when men are in the room. When I speak, I'm oh, yeah. so excited when men are there as allies. They're listening to this. They're finding out ways they can amplify. They can be really good champions, not just with words, but more, you know, with actions. That's really powerful. So I never want to exclude those powerful allies. And there's a sweet spot where women need to be building community with other women. Yeah, I 100% agree. We've had some really successful panels um, where we invite the men in to, to talk about this. And I, I, I've had so many allies in my career. I, I 100% agree with you. So I think one of the things that just popped into my head as I'm sitting here talking to you is one of the first steps with women is to say, it's not okay for my voice to be silenced. That's right. Is that... That's absolutely right. I mean, that seems like so obvious, but there, I mean, some people, well, it's because of this or that, or the self stories or the systems or the relationships, but just having this aha moment and going, no, it's not okay for my voice to be silenced. I a hundred percent agree. And I would take it even a step further. And that is what has silenced me. And I need to sit down and think about that you know, how it happened, when it happened, was it a, a relationship, a system, or is this just something I continue to foster in myself? What are the ramifications on my body, my mind, my heart, my gut, spiritually, my way of being? Like sometimes we have to deconstruct the entire phenomenon so that we can make sense of how it's impacted us. And sometimes we can't do that alone. Sometimes that is with a therapist. Sometimes that's with our kitchen table colleagues. Sometimes that's with a coach, but sometimes we have to not just name it, but then figure out how this has happened to us so that we can name it and declare it and then see it, you know, outside of ourselves. And then we can start to do additional work around it. This is not a light bulb moment. This is not necessarily flipping the switch and boom, my voice is there. Um, the research suggests on average, it takes about two years for a woman who has felt consistently silenced to get through that period of time. And sometimes faster, sometimes it's been a decade or more for certain participants to really get to the bottom of it and emerge from it. And so this is, this is not a short journey especially if we're mid-career, if we're in our 50s and 60s, like this is this is deeper work and you can't necessarily do it alone. Carrie, I could talk to you about this for hours. Um, I'm, I'm just so grateful, as I said, that we sat down next to each other just completely randomly at this event and had this conversation and could share our PhD journeys. You know, I'm thankful that Carrie was a little bit in front of me so she could give me good advice <laughs> for mine. And um, so our listeners out there, what are your, and I want to make sure the book is silenced and sidelined how women's women leaders find their voices and break barriers. And I, um, willow-group.com, I believe is your website. Did I get that right? Willow-group.com so that you can find 
Yeah, it's available on all online retailers, um, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever your listeners might look at, you know, Amazon, different Amazon websites, Barnes & Noble, et cetera. But on my website, Mm -hmm. there's a list of retailers as well. Great. So what what parting advice? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg here, but what what final advice do you have for people that are out there listening, thinking, hmm, this is an interesting topic. I might have experienced this. Yeah, I guess my my ask of anybody who's now thinking, hmm, head scratcher moment, I'm wondering how to make sense of this, is to be in a conversation. Not just with yourself, but be in conversation around what is the condition of your voice. You know, put your hand on your neck and feel that vibration, which is just a miracle in and of itself. But what is the condition of your voice as a woman leader, as a woman professional, in your systems, in your relationships? And and spend some time thinking about the condition of your voice and then choose um, if, if you're feeling it substandard, then there's so many different pathways to pursue to make sure you have a voice with currency, which is well-deserved. You deserve to have that. Everybody deserves to have that. Great. Carrie, thank you so much for taking time out to join the Greatness Podcast. I know I'm I'm confident our listeners are going to get so much out of it, even more out of it if they buy your book. And um, I really am grateful to people like you that are helping us work through these complicated, really complicated, um, deep challenges that we have out there. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me, Gretchen. It's I'm, I'm so thankful we got to sit next to each other at that fundraiser and that our paths continue to cross. Interested in hearing more? Visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.